Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. We're back again for round three of Skidwalker Branch. It's me. It's Grant. What's cracking, y'all? How's it hanging? Short and shriveled and a little to the left. Wow. You know, that's what they say. Wow. <laughs> bim, bam, boom. That was you just funny. gave me a look for saying Peoria when I thought you started recording. That was funny. I'd, I've never heard that term. Mitch, did you just come up with that word as it happened? No. I grew up with that. No, that <laughs> no been, that's been my whole life is Peoria. I've been told that quite often. I feel I like, like when that. you pee, it's just mist. It might be. I don't know. That's well, Jesus. Anyways, never pay attention enough. Like Mitch pisses a lot. That's reasonable. Yeah, he does. It's true. So, uh, anyways, we're going to go back um, to Skinwalker Ranch again for a third part. Uh, next week will be the final part of this series, and honestly. I don't know what's going to happen with life after that because this has consumed me. Yeah, we're going to have to start thinking of things week to week again. This to is do. consuming me, but uh, it's good. Um, yeah, so you know, we we talked a lot about um, the things that uh, the Gormans have seen and the Nids team has seen on the ranch, uh, and whatnot. We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit today. We're going to go into some uh, some older tales and some other stories, but. Uh, I just wanted to give us a little background, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted yeah. to make a correction. I don't know if I said this, but I think I said this. Um, the investigator that was on the ranch in the 90s, uh, it was not George Knapp. It was Colm Kelleher. Uh, I, don't, I think I said George Knapp, so I wanted to correct that now. You just because I, I, don't know, I didn't want to I didn't want to confuse the bitch. crowd. But, uh, yes, it was Colm A. Kelleher. I just made that middle initial <laughs> up. I don't know. A. Kelleher. Uh, but, yeah, it was him. And then, uh, yeah, so we're going to we'll go into it. Um, we're kind of going to talk a little bit about the media and how they kind of tackled this story. Because a tad, a tad, it yeah. happened, it, it kind of bounces around a little bit, but it, it starts in 96, and that was when uh, Tom Gorman... Uh, actually went to the media and started telling them some things. He left out quite a bit because, I mean, come on, you're not going to tell everybody or everything. To it's everybody. hard to tell the whole story. We're finding that out. But uh, a lot of people kind of tried to get their hands in on it. Uh, certain reporters were there and just kind of did little quips about it. And then uh, it eventually got passed around uh, through a magazine in Las Vegas, uh, the Mercury Times, which was like the second in command to like the Las Vegas Times. The second best in Las Vegas. And uh it it was on there and it blew up. It was international. It was all around the world. People wanted more information. They were they just couldn't stop talking about it. And then after after NIDS came in, uh they ordered a media blackout so that they could study, you know, their specimen. Their stuff. And that makes sense. Like you know, like the the point they make in the book, he was like, if we knew that aliens were going to land, we wouldn't have a tailgate party where everyone's eating hot dogs and burgers waiting for them to land. Wasn't that... Because that's not how that's going to happen. Wasn't that exactly what they did at the day the Earth stood still? Mm-hmm. And that didn't pan out well. Exactly. You so don't do you that. Go. 
So they ordered the media blackout, and that lasted for six years while they lived down the ranch and did their investigations. And then after that, it kind of opened up, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that this week. But I did just kind of want a nice little, uh, I don't know, background of why the interest was so strong around here. Yeah. Because it was silent. Like, while all this was going on, everything that we've told you, it was completely blacked out. The only thing that was happening were rumors. It was bouncing around. People were throwing out their ideas and their stuff everywhere, and none of it was true. Yeah. So that's just kind of how that worked. I just wanted to start with that. And uh, then right now we're going to take it back, and we're going to get into some of the some of the weirder stuff seen around uh, Skinwalker Ranch and even other parts of the country yeah. a little bit later. A little later. Yeah, there's still more, man. We'll there's get there. There's still lots more things about mm-hmm. Skinwalker Ranch. Yes, man, there know, is. Mitch left to go do Peoria, I think. Yeah, probably. But uh, he'll be back. But anyway, uh, one of the big things that the Gormans claim that they saw is none other than Bigfoot. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. So them and a bunch of the neighbors in the Uinta Basin, they claim to have seen what they described. Looks like a Bigfoot roaming wilderness. Um, is well known. Right, that. But we're about to get really deep into Bigfoot and the history of of the man. Yeah, if you, if you didn't like the Patterson Gimlin episode we did, you're not gonna like this. Dude, I honestly we're gonna talk a lot about Bigfoot again. I I honestly wish that we had like what is it? Search for the Skinwalker, Hunt for the Skinwalker. I wish we had this book for a source for the Bigfoot episode we did. Uh, maybe, maybe. There's so, dude. Once I start reading this, everyone will realize we definitely probably should. There's a lot. Yeah. There is so much. But anyway, yeah. So it's well known that many people uh, have claimed to have seen the legendary cryptid throughout the past, uh, like almost hundred years. It's been in the media and all that. And uh, you know, part of the the whole big um, uh, psyche of the masses, right? But yeah, but the history of Bigfoot goes back way farther than that. Uh, Long before Europeans actually got here to North America, uh, the native people uh, were well aware of Bigfoot. They had many names for it. The Salish tribe in the Northwest Northwest called him Sasquatch. Uh, Coastal tribes called him Bukwas or Znukwa, Znukwa, something like that, and uh, made masks of his likeness dating back to the 1700s, right? And, That's old. Right? And the Lakota Sioux referred to Bigfoot as uh, Chietanka, which roughly translates into uh, Big Elder Brother. Right? So Bigfoot's been around. Bigfoot's been around for a while. And a man... Okay, so this guy... There's a lot of funny things about this guy's name. A hunk papa Lakota man named Joe Flyingby. Uh, once was quoted in saying, "The big this is referring to Bigfoot. The big man is the husband of the earth, and even claimed that Bigfoot could take the form of a coyote, which may come into play later." He also said that um, he also said once in an interview in a uh, magazine, I believe, "There is your big man standing there, ever waiting, ever present, like the coming of a new day." He is both spirit and real being, but he can also glide through the forest like a moose with big antlers, as if the trees weren't there. I think that's beautiful. That is, that's, that's gorgeous. Sweet. He speaks in a very beautiful way. What else is there? The Athabascan Indians of Alaska, they call Bigfoot Big Brother, and believe sightings of him are signs of the creator in times of trouble often indicating man's disrespect and harmony, uh, disrespect for harmony and, ba- and balance. Wow, that must say, say a lot about people, you know, how many Bigfoot sightings we have. Yeah, if that's true, it just means we're fucking up. Well, I mean, just 9-11, that's all you need to know. You're right. That's I mean, all you need to know. That event alone would inspire thousands of Bigfeet. I don't know what to take away from this, man. It's true. Think about <laughs> it. I guess <laughs> it's a sign from the creator. That's what Patterson. That's Kimmel a question, was. though. So there, it's a sign from the creator that that man is disrespecting uh, harmony and balance. So why Bigfoot? 
Why? Why? I don't know. He's why? Just, that, like, that's what he means. That's that's Bigfoot's. Uh, there's not like a drought, a whole or deal, a flood, or a natural fire, or ah, you've been jaded by the Bible, dude. It's just a Bigfoot. Like you're just supposed to be like, oh, I guess we gotta do better. How come? Like maybe that's why no one believes in it. Because they're like, no, we're doing fine. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe. It's dumb. That's what it is. It's dumb. Everything's dumb. But there is a word for Bigfoot in pretty much every tribal dialect. So it can't be too dumb, right? There's got to be something to it. Uh, Yeah, when European trappers uh, actually got to North America, they later began exploring the American wilderness. Uh, Many claimed to have encountered a race of enormous hairy men. In uh, actually, in uh, 1784, the London Times described a huge man-like, hair-covered creature in Manitoba. In 1811, a fur trader named David Thomas told a journalist of an encounter that he had with a giant, a hairy giant, in Alberta. And in 1840, a missionary who spent nine years living—God damn it, Grant! You could drop it shit in the middle of my dissertation. Nothing happened. It's all good. Oh. Nothing happened. Nothing. Everything's okay. Nothing. All right. So, yeah. And in 1840, a missionary who spent uh, nine years living with the Spokane Indians claimed uh, that the tribe told him of a race of giants that did their hunting at night and left tracks a foot and a half long. Some big feet. It's just Shaq. It might, <laughs> it might be Shaq. Uh, dude, even Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, he wrote of a second-hand account that he had an acquaintance had oh, in yeah. like one of his journals, uh, wherein the Bigfoot raided uh, Teddy's friends, his camp, and uh, killed his companion, leaving four fang marks in his neck. The damn Rough Isn't Riders. Isn't that fucking crazy? And, dude, Albert Ostman from our, our episode. Oh, yeah. Remember that story, how he got picked up by the uh, the family of Big Feet? Oh, yeah. And yeah the, he got uh, taken in. Yeah, the young female was given in the eyes. That was an arranged marriage that did not pan out. Yeah, yeah. A lot of um, tobacco addiction and hairy people. Hell, yeah, dude. That great, was in 1924. Great big hairy person. Great big hairy person. But yeah, it wasn't until the 1950s when scientists actually began addressing the Bigfoot encounters that had continued with relative frequency and consistency pretty much everywhere. They uh, they claimed it was ridiculous and possibly a hallucination, hallucinatory, that kind of thing. Uh, though their claims seemed to be seemed to have been the uh, truly ridiculous uh, ones, considering that thousands of eyesight, eyewitnesses, eyesights, eyewitnesses. Uh, have seen it. Ba- uh, seen Bigfoot dating back three centuries. Sightings have been reported in 49 of the 50 states of America, as well as every province in Canada. Well, dang. we're going in on Bigfoot, dude. And these sightings aren't even unique unique to North America. Uh, ancient Mesopotamians wrote of a man much like Bigfoot that they called Enkidu. Enkidu, probably. The Bible describes a man covered in animal hair. That emitted a strong odor named Esau. What about Esau? Goliath? Something like that. He could have Esau. Is it Esau? E S A U. Yeah. Yeah, Esau. Fuck, Esau. <laughs> I think it might be Esau. No, that's Esau. Oh. Uh, yeah. An early European. <laughs> Jake is so discouraged now. Oh fuck, man! I I've been saying all these so weird. What about Goliath? They say the he's a Bigfoot. Not, it's not Goliath. You're in the Native American mood, so it's just like, oh, you got to make it sound <laughs> something. But it's like, no, this is the Bible now, Jake. You got to say it like a white guy. I'm in the Native American. I'm state a, of I'm mind. a firm believer that Goliath was a Bigfoot. He may have been. Isn't that what the Mormons believe? Oh wait, no, that's Cain. The Mormons think that Cain is like Bigfoot. What? Isn't that why? I don't know. <laughs> that would mean we're part Bigfoot. We're all part. Or they're Bigfoot. really they're super related to us. Probably, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't get the relation between. I don't Kane. really understand it either. I think I read it somewhere once. Maybe one like, time. Maybe Bigfoot likes to attack people or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'd say Goliath. He's probably Bigfoot. Might, yeah, it might be Goliath. Anyway, and the Saul. guy from the Bible who's smelly and hairy, Esau. So, <laughs> all right, and in early European countries like Germany, France, and others, uh, there's stories of the wild men of the woods. Right? 
That's just wild men of the woods. They're not Bigfoot. They're just men in the woods. They are just men in the woods. Yeah. So I don't know. You guys, you guys gotta understand. All right. You want a, you want a list of where uh, let's do it. Bigfoot lore has actually occurred. This is not just history. it's not just North America. It's not it's not just here. We're gonna rapid fire. China, Nepal, Russia, Ireland, Thailand, Vietnam, India, Malaysia, Indonesia, New Guinea, New Zealand, Australia, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Panama, Guatemala, shout out David, Kenya, yeah. and, <laughs> and even Australia. How about that? All They're over. all over the fucking world. Yeah, you see them hairless big feet in the desert of Australia? They're like, ooh, baby, put some jellyfish on my titties. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> this escalated very quickly. The box of jellyfish is what we're talking about? I don't know, dude. They're probably into some fucking weird shit. Everyone's into something weird. Um, but yeah, you know, just throughout time and space in and of itself, uh, researchers have collected uh, thousands of footprints and hair samples, things of that nature. Uh, some of them have been debunked. Uh, there's a lot more that haven't. Uh, a lot of times it's unexplained. Uh, hair samples have come back with unexplained uh, DNA connections that were like, oh, we don't know what that is. And sometimes the footprints are a little strange as well. And uh, I do the one thing I want to say is uh, you might think uh, a long footprint isn't weird, which I agree with you because there's some there's some big feet in this world. You know, there's feet that could be about a foot and a half. Circling back to Shaq, yeah. But uh, the part that they look at is strange is that the width of the foot is very large as well, which does not usually uh, translate to humanity or gorillas for that matter. Because if the foot is long, it doesn't need to be about a foot wide either, you know? Mm. That's just not how that works. Um, pretty much all these sightings have come up with the conclusion that either Bigfoot is an amazing, uh, amazingly reclusive beast that just can't do anything other than hide, or, believe it or not, believe it or not, maybe he's paranormal. Ooh. Maybe he's some type of ghost or spirit or illusion, however you, you choose uh, to see it. You didn't think of that, did you? Um, but it's kind of hard to deny that that theory has a little bit of validity to it because a lot of poltergeist cases uh, equate to Bigfoot sightings, same as UFO sightings and cattle mutilation. A lot of those kind of go hand-in-hand hand with sightings of Bigfoot, Take Skinwalker Ranch's example. They had all three of those and a Bigfoot hanging out in the property. Or it's all true. A Bigfoot. We don't know. Probably a Bigfoot. We don't know. We like to... Otherwise, I, I don't know why we just went in on him for like 20 minutes. Like episode two, uh, the Predator Monster thing, I'm pretty convinced in myself that that was like a Bigfoot. That it was just like disguised as something. That's just the way I see it, Maybe. though. But that, I don't know. I, I like that. It very well could have been. I mean, there's what else could it be? A predator. Who has a better guess? What was that thing crawling out of the portal? Oh, a hairless man. So that's just a shaved Bigfoot. Well, shadow men in black. No, I don't know. I, men in, oh, I pulled men that in one black, out of my yes, ass. I don't with know. the painted on lips and strange sockets in their knees. But yeah, so there's a little bit more on Bigfoot for you uh, today. Now it's time for us to jump around. We're going to go somewhere very familiar to one of our other uh, completed, I guess you would say, topics on the show. And we're going to go back to Dolce, New Mexico, where, as you might remember, Mr. Phil Schneider had his little infamous run-ins with the gray beings of another year. It's true. And we're going there now. We're going there now. So, the NIDS team, uh, in 97, they're struggling together real data, so what they're doing is they're kind of thinking outside of the box and they're going to other hot spots around the country that have similar things going on as uh, Skinwalker Ranch, right? Mm. So they end up in Dolce, New Mexico. Trying to get some comparative notes. And um, immediately they realize that the town is very run down. Uh, stray dogs, they mentioned that like three times, a lot of stray dogs. Uh, it's just like a beaten downtown. I don't know why they they felt that was important to mention. 
but it was. They kind of reamed this this community in a the little book. bit. They, <laughs> they talked think, about it a lot. I, they they did say they ran into a lot of problems with like a they had like a casino that like went under and like a lot of economic problems kind of happened around in '95. <laughs> right. well, if your town can't support a casino, or if a, a, if a, a casino can't like bring people and money and business. It's bad. How often do those things go out of business? But yeah, so they're they're hanging out in Dolce, New Mexico. Um, and what they were doing is they uh, went along this path uh, that was down Route 64, and uh, it has striking resemblance to uh, the Skinwalker Ranch. Now, how about that? They got everything there. They got cattle mutilations. They got Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings. Even a couple poltergeist sightings. Well, not sightings. Poltergeist interactions. They got the orbs. They got every everything on the checklist is all is thrown filled in, in there. Yeah. Uh, in the seventies, there was a police officer named Gabe Valdez, who uh, they say was actually like a badass. Yeah, he They're, was super respected by like the Apaches. They loved him because they said he took care of all like the actual duty of cops, and then he had no problem uh, investigating these cattle mutilations. He had no problem standing up for the Apaches. He had no problem doing all this. They just thought, this guy's a fucking badass, you know? Protecting the community. So he was. Um, so he went to this farm that was uh, owned by the Gomez family. And this was where cattle mutilations were occurring. And he documented these. He looked into them a lot and couldn't really figure out a lot about it. But he took good notes. Very good notes. They loved his notes. So the NIDS team tags along with them, and um, like uh, it was Colm Kelleher again, and he said that he felt like he was a celebrity in this town because he was just hanging out with Gabe, and everybody loved him. He was invited everywhere. People were inviting him into their homes and doing interviews. They they loved this guy. People would like honk at this guy, like while they were with him, and just like just to wave to him and say hello. Yeah, so they so nice. this guy he had it going. Like people wanted to, to hang out with him and talk to him. Um, so on the property of the Gomez farm, they were seeing, uh, strange objects in the sky, orange balls or orbs, I guess you'd call them, I like the balls. balls. Uh, they were like the size of the moon in the sky. They were fucking huge. Um, they were freaking out. A bunch of their cows got chopped up and mutilated and it was just strange. So the, the NIDS team is there and they're just kind of asking around interviewing people. And uh, then they started to kind of piece it together that the stuff going on here has a lot a lot of similar traits to what's happening to the Gorman family in Utah. And it's just weird. Uh, so they're interviewing this guy in, uh, who says in 1979 they wit- witnessed a giant silver disc. And uh, they call it the Mexican hat because it kind of looks like a yeah. sombrero. Yeah, it was two boys who witnessed this. And uh, it was about 150 feet wide, uh, hovering low to the ground uh, outside of Dolce uh, near Mount Archuleta. Uh, David Archuleta. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, it had these blue and yellow lights spinning underneath it, and it was moving very slowly through the sky. Uh, they were staring at it for about five minutes, and then uh, it just kind of went at this 45-degree angle, and just... <laughs> just <laughs> that's just what it did. Oh. It just went. Just went. Just went. It just left. It's, uh, yeah. They didn't know what to do. And it, it went over this mountain peak in, within about four seconds, and this thing's an enormous hat floating in the sky, and it disappeared almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. So that's just strange. Um, these things were happening like so much that uh, it actually convinced the NIDS team to set up a surveillance program on the peak of Mount Archuleta just to kind of see if they could find anything, really. Yeah. Um, then uh, they were interviewing more people in the town, and uh, in 1996, nine different people, uh, including two high members of the Jicarilla, or Jicarilla, I don't know, Apache tribe. They were driving in uh, four different cars. And, uh, they were coming home from a baseball game, right? So they probably had a couple drinks, maybe a couple dogs. No, couple this is wieners. very important to the story. It was a basketball game. All right. Oh, was I read that wrong? Dude. Sorry. Either way, they probably had some beer or some hot it dogs. A, it was a game of chess. 
Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You got beer and hot dogs at all sporting events. There you go. And uh, they saw this enormous flying object, and uh, it was at a distance. And, the, and originally, they kind of thought it was a uh, natural gas. But uh, soon they'd find out that that wasn't the case, would they, Jake? No, yeah, yeah. They actually thought it was like a, uh, yeah, something like that. They they thought it was like a natural gas, uh, something, something like one of the one of the one of the places where people harvest natural gas, you know, something like that. No, I don't know. <sighs> Look it up. No. Look it up. No. Like a refinery, like a place, like a building, something like that. Anyway, now they're close up to it, right? All the witnesses claim that this craft stretched from wall to wall the entire canyon. It it covered the entire thing uh, in the sky. And it made, uh, that makes it probably over about a mile wide, right? Crazy probably, big craft. Yeah. But, but uh, also you got to imagine from a distance it could be a little bit different. Yeah, could be whatever. I would imagine. Maybe. But that's just me. I've never seen this thing. Yeah, so you're I don't not know. you're not these Apache uh, base basketball fans. Right? I could be. Yeah. Well, maybe you would get out of the car like this guy. All right. So he, one guy gets out of the car, and before so he could you know see it better, and it instantaneously without a sound, just re like disappeared and reappeared, really far away, great distance, no noise at all. What the fuck. So yeah, these enormous crafts apparently aren't the only thing that have been spotted in the skies around Dolce. This fucking story is insane. In November of of 1984, a man named Bruce Montoya uh, arrived at his friend's, uh, with a friend, at another friend's cabin, right? They were hanging out with their dog, and they had an AK-47. That's that's pertinent to the story, they had an AK-47. All these things were on the porch, dog, gun, people, everything. And uh, so they were just sitting on the porch of the cabin when the dog starts barking, right? And uh, Bruce and his friend look where the dog's eyes were like, you know, he's fixed on something. And they saw almost like swimming through the air what appeared to be like a gigantic gray manta ray that was 100 feet in diameter, like just Closing in, like, it's it just crossing their line of sight in the pasture. It's just fucking hanging out, just swimming through the sky. Did this happen at Electric Forest? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. This may have started the yes. Electric Forest After idea. 24 pounds of LSD were consumed, a giant manta ray <laughs> filled the sky. Thank God there was a gun there. With its leathery, bulbous ass. And it went directly towards Steve Irwin's house. Oh, my. <laughs> wow. The AK-47 was actually just a giant glow stick. <laughs> They're like, giant glow stick. this thing's not firing fast enough, bro. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah, yeah, so, right. So oh, correct. The, what? Steve Irwin was killed by a stingray. What did you say? It's a manta ray, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know animal biology. I don't know if they're, they're like the It's same. a different name. I assume it's something different. They're they're rays. They're rays but from the sun. Maybe it was a stingray that killed Steve Irwin. And may he rest in that, peace. I just wanted that to be known because this thing was looking for him anyway. He was the scout. Yeah. And then you, a couple of years later, bam! His brother was going to strike. Yeah. He was at home training, like much like David and Goliath. It all ties. It, it all ties. Full circle. It's back. Back to this fucking enormous 100-foot-wide gigantic manta ray in the sky just swimming. It was like 50 feet away from him at its closest. And uh, its wings were like pointing. It was it, it was literally swimming. Its wings were going like up and down, and you can hear like a, a loud like whoo, whoo, like a whooshing noise, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, whooshing noise. It, it, it was flapping, flapping away. Uh, the, I, I don't know, man. There Apparently, there were also three perfectly circular porthole-like structures, like underneath it. Butthole-like structures, really. Butthole. That's immature. That's immature. Yeah, you're fucking getting on my... You're dropping shit in your fucking... Buttholes on manta rays. Everybody knows they don't have buttholes. Does everyone know that? Yeah, I'm everyone, and I know that. Do they just, like, sweat it out? What do they do? I don't know. They fucking kill famous people on TV. That's how they shit. I thought that was a stingray. 
It's weird. We agree they're in the same family. Ugh. They all they all operate the same. Just like when they ejaculate, <laughs> they just don't. I, I really just want to be like Bruce right now and grab an AK-47 and put a clip in it. And nothing will and happen. And put you in the crosshairs instead of this thing, which is exactly what he did. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, he did this and the gun jammed. So it just kept going, exactly. right? Exactly. The manta ray looked... Uh, and AK-47s historically do not jam. That's why they're isn't that so strange? good. Yeah. They're very durable weapons. That's why we fucking is that the use kind them. Of, is that the kind of gun that, uh, that that video of that guy like pulling it out of a bucket of water and just firing it? That is one that specifically was a shotgun. That was a shotgun? Yeah, but you could do that with AK-47s, yeah. Fantastic. You, that's why we use them in Vietnam, because you could leave them in the mud and just pull them out and boom, it's fine. That makes sense. That does make sense. Very wet country. But anyway, yeah. He uh, he grabbed his his AK forty seven, loaded the clip in, aimed at it, uh, squeezed the trigger, gun jammed. Right, and the manta ray uh, looking thing, uh, it continued past them at about five miles an hour until it got to the far tree line where it suddenly became slightly transparent, much like the predator monster. Uh, and then a flash was seen, and it suddenly was an impossible distance away. They could still see it, but it was like. Fucking way over there. Right? Hey, you, go over there. Yeah. And looking back on this experience, apparently Montoya is convinced that this was not a craft, but it was like a biological being. He said like this, it, the skin of, or the outer part of it that he called the skin had like a rough leathery appearance with like the occasional like dimples in it, much like, you know. Like a living flesh. being. Yeah. I do have one one comment about that. Now... All right, I do. I love this story, and it uh, it comes back a little bit later. I'll explain that again later. Yeah. But um, are we really going to take this guy's word? Because he was sitting on his porch with his dog and his friend, and there was an AK-47 on the porch. So my what do question you have on is, your porch? Not an AK-47. I don't even have a weapon on the porch. If you had an AK-47 and you were on your porch... I don't think would I would. Would you not, like, just hang out? What kind of town is this where some guy... It's the woods. He's just hanging <laughs> out with an woods. AK-47. I don't like this guy. I don't like his, his... I don't like the cut of his jib at all. Well, he thinks it was biological, man. He said the skin looked like a shark or a whale or something. I don't like trust The skin him. of something... It was, like, leathery. Like, that kind of thing. David Montoya... Bruce Montoya, sorry. Bruce. Um... Yeah, you're you're crazy. <laughs> you're just addressing Bruce directly, right? You, now. I'm looking at you. I'm looking Bruce. at you, kid. Oh God, yeah, that's pretty much that story. So what the fuck? It's just a giant manta ray in the sky. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. But getting back to uh, the the Bigfoot aspect of this conversation, uh, one of the top three members of the Apache tribe in the area in the 1990s, uh, his name was Wayne Gonzalez. He was a very successful rancher. He uh, he was actually in an interview, and he's, he claims that he had seen a Sasquatch on his property one day in 1993. And this fucking story is insane. He was on his horse out in the pasture on his property, and he had, like, three dogs around him, right? Because, like, ranchers need dogs. Uh, three of his dogs... Ranchers do need dogs. But, yeah, uh, he, was, uh, he was out there just hanging out with them, and uh, suddenly a Sasquatch came running out of the tree line about 150, like, full sprinting. Not at him, but just, he sprinted out into the open. That's terrifying. I don't, just, he's just fucking, he said he was, like, as tall as him when he was on his horse, so he was about seven or eight feet or something. I don't, actually, how tall are horses? I'd imagine that I'd would be. they're it, probably about five foot, like, when they're standing on all fours, like, the, the They're, top of they're their taller than that, dude. No, when you see like a grown man standing next to a horse, mm. when it's up to its back, like his head is over the back. So are we saying the max height of it is the top of its head or the back? I'm going based on the back. Now that the head makes is sense because you'd be taller. sitting on it. But then, all right, then we have to cut the man's height in half because his torso. Yeah, the head's probably. I would say maybe oh, yeah. seven feet. Seven or eight feet. They are. Four point seven to six seven. feet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the, the horse. So I, I was, I was pretty spot on. I was right. In that the was middle. pretty good. Was right that was middle. pretty good, man. That's impressive. <sighs> but anyway, Gonzalez, he said that uh, the Bigfoot was about as tall as him 
as he was on his horse. And it was just sprinting. It just sprinted out of the woods. And it was apparently looking over its shoulder, like mid-sprint, as if like something was chasing it, but like he never saw anything. But he was just full-on sprinting. And like uh, apparently like his dogs got like super, super scared. Right? Well, yeah, they're they, dogs. They, they actually, think it could rip them apart. It could. They actually hid underneath the horse, which is never a smart idea. No. You either get peed on or kicked in the face. Even if you think horses are cute, never go underneath it. Like, why would Not you ever do that. that? You know, you don't need to do that. But yeah, yeah. You know what's so down this, there? I know, I know. So this, uh, yeah, this Bigfoot is just sprinting. All the dogs are scared. Suddenly, in the middle of his sprint, it just—he was in an open field. In the middle of his sprint, he suddenly just vanishes. In like the interview, Wayne made sure that everyone understood that it didn't like disappear behind a tree line it didn't like run out of sight it act- it literally vanished mid sprint as if it had like run through an invisible opening orange portals orange portals maybe it's like the video game portal that's like <laughs> what it is maybe dude with the orange portals orange portals what is that oh we got to get portal orange portal i have portal you have portal yeah can i can i play that yeah it's in that box right there. Oh, my God. All right, cool. So that's fucking weird, right? No, it's true. It, he just fucking vanished, Bigfoot did. Well, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. This possibly uh, possibly tying this back to the native beliefs that uh, the Bigfoot could also take the form of a coyote, a creature much described like a hyena fox dog, like that thing that was fucking with... Uh, Mr. Gorman's horses back in Skinwalker Ranch. Oh yeah, something exactly like that was anta- like it, he has been sighted in Dolce, New Mexico, like many many times throughout the years. Oh yeah, doing the same types of things. And then there's Sasquatch running into nothing and disappearing. Maybe he turned into that guy over in the Gorman Ranch. Maybe he's just transporting. Maybe you never know. Maybe I don't know. But uh, there's like so many similarities between Dolce and the Gorman Ranch, like Skinwalker Ranch. It, you got UFOs, big feet, uh, strange animals, the hyena man, uh, orbs, unexplained shit, all the stuff. Isn't it's crazy? Yeah, it's insane. If you thought that was more insane, than one place, if you thought that was insane, I'm gonna take you somewhere else. We're gonna go to Washington State. This now. is my favorite story. Pacific Northwest. Mine too. Um. There's a lot that leads up to the part that you guys are waiting for, so I'm gonna I'm gonna save that. For get the end. busy, man. You um, gotta get there. We're gonna start in the year 1962. Picture this: JFK is still alive. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> this little old woman. <laughs> All right, what? Sorry, that just took me off guard so bad. That this was little awesome. old woman's in her oh. house, right? She's just enjoying the day. It's early. It's like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. She's this old, frail woman, probably nearing death, similar to JFK. But they're both in this house. It's her and this cat. And the cat's freaking out. The cat is freaking out. It's not doing well. It's just like... It's like being a cat. And she's like, this is stupid. You're fucking stupid. No, she she's a bitter old woman about this cat. She doesn't do that at all. She's like, oh my god, what's going on? Oh my god, mittens. And, uh, you know, time passes. It's, uh, it's still before noon. And she sees this thing outside, right? It's like a... It's kind of, essentially, it's a UFO. It's what she sees. She's like, that's strange. And then she hears these noises outside, and she's like, alright, this is getting weird. I'm going to go outside and get my morning paper. And uh, she opens the door, and the cat's freaking out more, and she steps outside, and in her yard, she sees this gray four-foot man with very saggy skin and bulbous eyes. And she's just like, well, that's weird. And just goes inside, closes the door, and freaks out. I just saw Larry King on my front yard. Yeah, pretty much. Something like that. And um, what is funny about this is, uh, she, I mean, she didn't call it a gray alien, but that's essentially what we would categorize this as, correct? Probably, yes. And, this, like I said, this was in 1962. This was before all of these stories became public. Benny and Barney Hill hadn't gone public yet. Travis Walton didn't happen yet. All these big stories about greys weren't a thing yet. They weren't mm-hmm. in the media. And the fact that she described it like that was very strange and striking because it's like, well, 
I mean, we're in a completely different part of the country, and you're seeing this years before anyone else is talking about it. Yeah. That was weird in of itself. Uh, I also do want to point out uh, where we're at now in Washington, there's also another Indian reservation in the area. Mm-hmm. And I'll, well, this will everything we said will connect in part four. Don't, Don't worry, worry it's, about it. It's jumbled right now, but we, we're, we're building we're, the we're puzzle. tightening the seams. And we need you guys to just trust us. Fucking for once in your lives. Now, I'm going to take you to another ranch in Washington. Um, oh, get ready for this one. It's another family. <sighs> it's a man, a wife, and his two children. And what are their names? I don't know. The last name, though. I don't know. Is it? They use Go on. They use like different <laughs> pseudonyms and stuff. And I was trying to look it up online, and they used other pseudonyms too. Oh. And I just completely blacked out the name because it's not important to the story. I think it's the. Is this the one where in the book they're the quote Smiths? Yeah, yeah. something like it's that. <laughs> I've seen the Smiths. I've seen like Donaldson. I've seen a bunch of weird shit. Ah. We'll call them the Smiths for this. Very one. American family. Um. So. They move on to this property, and nothing weird happens for about four years while they're living there. It's completely fine. And then one day, Mr. Smith notices this weird humming that, like, is happening outside. And it's just a strange, like, mm, just constantly. Like a hum. And he's like, this is weird. They kind of put it out of their minds. It's whatever. They start seeing uh, these floating orbs, UFOs, sombreros flying in the sky, cigar-shaped ships. And they're like, well, this is fucking weird. There's just a bunch of props going everywhere. Then they start to see uh, what appears like something landed in their yard with huge, fresh imprints in the grass all around the yard. And they're, like, once again, they're like, well, what are you, I don't know, what are you going to do? So that happens. Then they start noticing poltergeist activity. And this is some dark poltergeist activity. This isn't like the Gormans like having fun with them. It's like, oh, I'm going to open like, your cabinets. Like Mrs. Smith was cooking dinner and knives just started flying at her from out of the like cabinet. And then like that, she was like, this is fucked up. They all go out one night, right? They're all out in the town. They come home and they hear what sounds like a party going on in their house. Like there's just voices overlapping, voices, voices, voices. The minute they open the door, it's silent. There's nothing. All while this is happening, that humming is happening in the background of the entire ranch. Weirdos. Sounds like just a PA system. Weirdos. Um, they're hearing uh, the voices of little children, like laughing and playing and running around in the house. They're They're getting really weirded out. Finally, they get to their breaking point, and Mr. Smith... He free, He's freaking out. He's in bed. He's just like, I can't handle anything else. And he's sleeping. And uh, his bed is right by the window, which uh, is right outside into the yard. And he hears a man speaking softly about his family. And he's saying each member of the Smith family by name and where they're located in the house at this moment. So they're like, Mr. Smith is in his bed. Mrs. Smith is in her bed. The child number one is upstairs. Child number two is upstairs. They're all asleep. The dog is in the garbage. And this guy's freaking out. He's like, what the hell is going on? He stands up, rips open the shades. Nothing's there. That's his breaking point. He's freaking out. He's screaming. He At least he reached his breaking point a little earlier than Gorman. Yeah, he did. And he literally just pleads to the sky and says, please make this stop. The next morning, he goes outside. Telepathically, keep in mind. Telepathically. All he hears in his mind is that the deal will be more... uh, Essentially what they say is like, the deal will make more sense. We will make it more fair. And he's like, what the fuck does this mean? Off in the distance, he sees a little, uh, what he would call blonde individual in a blue outfit. Just a kid? standing there. Well, I don't know, like, probably like five feet, somewhere in there, like a short adult. Uh, there's a kid. Um, so this is just strange. And um, I don't know, they're thinking about, like, when did all this happen, blah, blah, blah. And finally, Mr. and Mrs. Smith sit down and they're talking. They're like, how, you know, when did all this start? And Mrs. Smith relays a story uh, from about two months ago 
where she was sitting in the kitchen and she saw a little boy in blue in a blue outfit, similar to what he just saw, mm-hmm. walking through the yard. And she was just kind of paying attention, just like, I don't know, is this guy here scoping out the land? Is he going to take something? What's going to happen? And this little boy walks behind a tree and never comes out from the other side. So she waits a couple minutes and she runs out there because she's like, well, I don't know, what if he fell or something? Like, he's on my property. I should take a look. Yeah, I might be liable here. And uh, there's nothing. No one, there's no sign, there's no footprints, there's nothing. So she tells him that and he's like, oh, that's strange. You know, I kind of think I saw something similar to that. They just didn't disappear. Weird, right? Strange. Get ready for this one. Okay. He is pissed off with this humming, right? He's so angry. He's so angry. So what he does is he's riding around in his yard on his horse. And um, he's hanging out and he sees like these orbs again. And they're kind of just like floating around, going around him and the horse. And he's like, this is strange. And he, Classic orbs. He finds this tree with this big black box underneath it. And the humming is so loud the horse is getting agitated, and it's coming from this box. And he's like, okay, I'm going to fucking destroy this box. So he turns around, goes back to the house to get, like, some tools or some equipment, whatever. Some something destruction to, like, things. Something to come and bash the shit out of this box. Some destructive implements. And uh, when he comes back, there are two blonde individuals in blue suits and a Bigfoot standing around the box. <laughs> And he does not know what to do. He's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> when he walks up, didn't they greet him? They're like, nice of you to join us. Yeah, they did. <laughs> or something oh, like they that. have a conversation. Yeah. And essentially, they're talking to him, and they're like, you know, everything's cool, man. Just relax. Like, we're going to make this deal a lot better for you. We told you that. We want to tell you that now. Every We're going to make this more fair. We're kind of torturing you a little bit, so you should have, you know, some good in this deal as well. Yeah. And he doesn't know what to say. I mean, they're talking to him telepathically, so he does not know what's going to happen. And then uh, they they look at him, and they're like, we know that you want to destroy the box. And they're like, there's a problem with that, though. One of the blonde individuals turns around, points at the Bigfoot, and then points at the box. The Bigfoot just kind of, like, saunters over to the box, tries to pick it up. The Bigfoot just dies. He just he falls plops over and dies. He dead Bigfoot on the ground. And the things look back at Mr. Smith, and they're like, this is why we do not touch the box. <laughs> and then he turns around. They disappear, and the Bigfoot's gone. So is the tree and the box. It's all gone. The tree's gone? Yeah, the tree's <laughs> gone, too. the tree disappeared, too. They don't, so he, these... <laughs> he doesn't know anything. He's like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, and in his mind, I, he was he was laughing he, when he's interviewed by uh, Colm Kelleher. He's talking to him, and he's like, you know, when they said the deal was going to go my way, I thought maybe they were going to, like, give me a million dollars or, like, I don't know, something cool was going to happen. It's not deal or no deal, Mr. And, uh, Smith. The way this story ends, believe it or not, there's really not a – I mean, it's not a sad ending by any means. It's not like the Gormans where they were forced to leave. Everything kind of quiets down until one day he sees this giant manta ray thing floating in the sky <laughs> above his property. It's back. And he says the same thing, that he thought it was real, that he thought it was like a monster Biological, in like, the air. A being. And that's pretty much where they leave his story. They're just like, Dude, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> those, those dudes were definitely Nordic aliens. No, but definitely. But why do they have dominion over the Bigfoot? Because my, my question is, what's in the box? What's, what's in the fucking box? One is Paltrow's head. Well, damn. Yeah. I didn't know it was that powerful. It could kill people just by touching it. It made Kevin Spacey go nuts. There you go. <laughs> All these things are connecting. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. God. But uh, but yeah. So that story was just strange. That kind of adds a little bit of credence to the idea that maybe Bigfoot and the extraterrestrials are connected. They're there hanging go. out, you know. They they kind of own him. So I feel like that would like this story kind of implies that he's kind of on the lower tier of their uh, caste system. No, definitely or whatever. I love Bigfoot. They literally used him as like. You, you want to see why we don't touch these? Let's face it. If let's Bigfoot, if Bigfoot's real and so are aliens, Bigfoot is the dumb little brother to the aliens. 
he's the guy that's doing all their bidding. You know, he's not like calling the shots. He's not like the uh, the mantis beings. He's just like the guy that's like the grunt work. This would be an amazing plot for just a movie. It's real life. That's the problem. But just just a society of aliens and Bigfoot is downtrodden. And yeah, he rises he's, up and wins the presidency. He yeah, Bigfoot has like an MLK moment where he like rises up and it's like we're going to change things and then the entire world is changed and Bigfoot's like a hero. And he gets shot in the chest by an insectoid. Well, it'd be like the CIA, but yeah. The, yeah, insectoids. But yeah, um so that that's where all this kind of comes to a head where now the Gormans they're done. Nids is trying to gather up all this information and they realize that Gor- the Gormans are not alone in their quest for answers. No, this shit's happened in to- tons of other places. There's a lot of places around the country that are all kind of having these same issues. And it all kind of seems to flow to areas that are not highly populated, but have enough of a population to where people talk, and they're like, hey, isn't this weird that we're all seeing the same shit? Ooh. Forgot. There's mm-hmm. another story in Washington. Just a Whoa. little interesting thing about Bigfoot. This guy goes camping with his son. They're out in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. And they see this giant eight-foot-tall albino Bigfoot. They don't know what it is, so they run over, and it kind of saunters away. It's, like, slumped over. Mm-hmm. And they notice that it has, like, a crippled right foot. Oh, yeah. Because there's, like, these track marks, and there's, like, huge skids in the mud where mm-hmm. it would be, like, dragging its foot. And then over the course of the next 48 hours, nine more people came out and said they saw this exact same crippled albino Bigfoot all in the same area that this guy saw it. Not, like, in the same area, but within, like, 10 miles of that area. I'm pretty sure one of those guys, it was, like, another dude with his son, and they were looking down uh, from a cliff, and yep. they saw, like, a regular Bigfoot, like a brown-haired Bigfoot, and the albino Bigfoot, like, wrestling. Like, seemingly play wrestling or something. Maybe that's where he fucked up his foot. Mm, or he Big bumped. Daddy V or, versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. There we go. Or they, the albino Bigfoot bumped into the black box or whatever it is. What? Was it black? Wouldn't he be dead? No, he just bumped into it a little oh, bit. Yeah, you know, or brushed up against it. it. Yeah. He thought about touching it and got injured, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, so these, these sightings, uh, the UFOs, the aliens, the Bigfoots, the poultry guys... All of them combined into one with some orbs on top for good clarity. Like sprinkles. They're all happening in similar locations around the world. And it's just very particular and strange. Would you not say? I would say. And, uh, yeah, so we're, honestly, that's where we're done with the information right here. Pretty much the info is, is there. There it is. That's Skinwalker Ranch and places like it. Yes, I want you guys to know this, that... Uh, next week there will probably be a little bit more information we throw at you a little bit like more detail um i don't know maybe i'll find myself uh just for the sake of speculation that kind of thing maybe i'll find myself uh, making another mistake in this episode and i'll clarify that as well Dude, i make mistakes all the time i think last last episode i said hack veterans when i went meant veterinarians yeah maybe that could be offensive to so many people uh but but uh you meant it though I did not. <laughs> what we're going to do I like is those guys. We're going to get into some of the theories surrounding how this works, what's the hypothesis, what are the scientific answers. We're going to get into what Rob Bigelow wanted all along when he bought this ranch. Are there any? But Can before they be we measured? do that, I just want a preliminary answer before we get to the real answers or the quote real answers, unquote. Yeah. Where do you guys think this is coming from? What do you think the connection is here? Now, keep in mind, there's something strange with all of these being around Indian reservations. Yeah. Obviously, that's a given. Um, there's shape-shifting animals, there's giant Bigfoot, there's aliens, there's ghosts, and there's ships, and there's orbs. So what the fuck is going on? How is all this occurring? I have no fucking idea. Oh. Not even I... fun speculation? Not even you... a toss-out? Uh, I don't know. You were coming at the microphone with such vigor. I was like, oh, dude, he's about to go in. <laughs> but you just, you're just like, I don't yeah, know. I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Let me think here. So <laughs> we think out loud. So you got big feet. You got aliens. Indian reservations. But some, you know, weird juju with the Native Americans. You have that. So who's to say that 
you know, with whatever weird juju the natives have, aren't, you know, attracting, you know, that kind of attention. You know, just uh, paranormal, unknown things. Right. Your answer is stupid. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, uh, yeah, I really don't know. I don't know. It could have something to do, like, I I do agree with you to some degree, but, like, uh, like it might have something to do with the fact that, like, uh, ley like lines. I was taught, ley lines, I was going to say that as well later on, but I think, like, uh, the, like, veneration of the Bigfoot and, like, native people, I don't know, they they look at it and, like, they've kind of accepted it into their, like, their whole lore, yeah. and, What's like, it? he's a part of it now, he's a part of the world, they've understood that, so it's like, all right. All these other things can come in, and they just kind of are accepted as well. What What's it called when you know when so many people believe in it, it it becomes real? A tulpa. Yeah. Why Bigfoot might be a tulpa to the natives, and that's why it's you know they're seen in those areas. But they're seen by non-native people as well. It's that powerful. The tulpa. It's like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, exactly. It is like Freddy. Krueger. It becomes real because so many people have a belief in it. So it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not, but there's so many people that do. Like Santa. Drugs. Yeah. That's why God's real. Drugs, too. Yeah. Drugs. I really don't know, man. It's cool that all, like, if it is something like there's an acceptance and so these things kind of, like, herd to these places. Also, they're kind of remote, so it might have something to do with that. But, like, it is kind of cool that they all kind of, like, go together, all these, like, different, like, paranormal and, like, strange, unexplained things. They can all be in like through the stories. They can be like tied together. I don't know. I really don't know why. Yeah, there's. But there's that's so what makes much. it so it's so good. There's just so much to all this, and. Uh, what do you I, think, Grant? What do you think? What do I think? Well. What would you have thought before you read all the right answers? Well, <laughs> you have the right answers. Yeah, I mean, he's I, got a cheat sheet, dude. I finished the book already, like last week, but I'm I, on chapter twenty-five. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I think I don't want to give away the location because I think that is where I'd like to go with uh, a next episode. Uh, Mitch, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Think of Bigfoot and orbs. Oh, oh, that's Wait. great. That's great. I didn't Wait. know we were doing this. I'm not talking about it because I want I want that to be no yeah a nice like That'll relaxing episode after this series but kind of related yeah this is this is a little tease for you guys no yeah this is something Mitch has been harping on for but yeah when we three four months I something know, like that when we saw yeah. that documentary what was that like last year we watched it like three times we were showing everyone we know it was it's one of those things where it's so unexplained. But it seems that these things, whether they be aliens, cryptids, ghosts, they kind of hover around the same area whenever they do kind of come out. Think Mothman. He was relative to one individual area, and that's how the story blew up, because that's where he was like kind of from, I guess you could mm, say. His hometown. Um, I mean, aliens, kind of, the story of aliens come from all over the world, that's uh, that's a given. But I've seen ancient aliens. When you really look at, at least in America, just in America itself, and the, I guess you would call them credible reports, a lot of them kind of happen in these areas where they're more desolate, a little bit less populated, and I know it seems like you can kind of get away with things yeah, out there. Yeah, lots of open space, not many people, There's not tons many, of, like man-made things there's tons of exemptions to that but all in all i'd say these things kind of end up happening in a very similar area time and time again yeah and It'll, maybe these areas are just ripe for the plucking i mean they're hotbeds so look at well like look at cattle mutilation that kind of fits in with what phil schneider talked about and how the grays were given access to uh kind of do testing however they want Maybe they're testing cows. Maybe they want to know. When you really look at it, that's where the majority of our, what you, I don't know, food comes from. Milk, cheese, and meat. That's like where yeah. we get our like fuel as individuals. And they eat vegetables, which we also eat to make yeah, exactly. milk and cheese. So the cow is like 
it's probably the pinnacle of human food consumption, or at least was. I mean, now that vegans are here and whatnot, but this was back in the 60s and 70s. And when that shit happens, it would only kind of make sense that aliens would go after them because they're studying humans. And what's more human than eating a cow? Yeah. So they're taking what they can and trying to learn why we eat it, what we need to survive, all the proteins and things like that. Yeah. It just seems simple. And what better place to get cows than from a ranch that has fucking 30 of them? Yeah. They're not thinking of the economical backlash for for the rancher. They're thinking, hey... So what better place? This guy. And why in America? Because they supposedly had a deal where they were allowed to do this. Yeah. So that just makes Under sense. Under Eisenhower, eh? And then when it comes to the aliens and the poltergeist and stuff, I think all that kind of would coincide. I mean, let's face it. An alien, if you believe in aliens, which I do, they can do whatever they want. They can you know, Pretty teleport. Much, yeah. They can go through walls. They can do whatever they want. They're way smarter than we are. They frequently just show up through portals. So wouldn't wouldn't they just have access to energy that could just be untapped? Or if you believe that... Untapped by us. Yeah, or if you believe that like ghosts and spirits are of earthly things, wouldn't an uh, fucking extraterrestrial appearing create this void where energy could just kind of swirl up like a tornado and cause stuff like that to happen. It would require all this frequency and, you know, radio waves and all this fucking nuclear nonsense. All these weird energies we don't understand, which which magnetized all the shit on the Gorman Ranch whenever it would show up. It could potentially stimulate some type of ghostly paraphernalia. Yeah. As far as as Bigfoot... Uh, I'm, I've am i been in the camp that Bigfoot is close with the extraterrestrials for some time now, so I think that just kind of makes sense. He's their little, you know, uh, boots on the ground, if you will. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of walking around among front us. Frontline infantry. Yeah, frontline infantry. That's the Simpsons. Oh, yes. Um, But, yeah, if you do that, all these coming together, they're just studying. That's what they are. They're just studying things and... Think doing of, it in their own little ways. Think of like uh, I don't know. Well, think think of like the nursing field. So it's like you do all this schooling, you have to learn all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, you need the field test to know that you're ready to do it. Yeah. So they put you in an environment where you're going to utilize everything you've learned in the job. So they put you in like a hospital or you know a nursing home or something wherever your field is going to put you, and you do all of it combined into one. And maybe that's what these ranches are to the aliens. So there are these the testing just, fields. Yeah, we're just a test field for people, like for all these things, like trying to get intergalactic jobs. Well, maybe not jobs, but just knowledge—knowledge knowledge or understanding of how we yeah. function. Maybe I don't know. And it—I it, don't know. It needs to be said because. Like I said earlier, with the media and all that and the rumors, a lot of people think that NIDS was part of the CIA or that, you know, the government was doing all this or these aircrafts or government tested. But in reality, none of it would make sense. Because why would they spend so much time and money torturing the Gorman family for what? And then someone proposed the theory back in the 90s that, well, the government wanted that ranch so that they could, you know, build stuff there. But what that person neglected to realize was that through eminent domain, the government can take property whenever it sees fit without any fucking consequence. If they want your house, they're going to say, hey, this is mine now. This is ours. We're going to give you the value that we say is fair, and you're going to take it. That's like how it works. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense. And as far as the testing, there would be no need to test it on one family over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't be feasible. It'd be wasting so much money to do all this. Yeah. So I guess I'd say my theory is that the aliens are just fucking badass. And they can aliens do whatever they want. badass. However they want. And they thought that, hey, this ranch looks like a good place for us to try out some of our stuff. So let's do it. And they did. They just wake up in their alien beds and say, let's try the orbs today. Yeah, that's my theory. That might be a little crazy, but that's my theory. And his roommate goes, red or or orange. It doesn't matter. And they can't it's decide, the so they send thing. both. And, uh, and that's their day. 
And the Gormans are traumatized. Yeah, it's like, I think... But then at the same time, I guess I'm neglecting the uh, the Indian reservations because maybe they have a part. Or maybe that's just circumstantial evidence. It may have to do with the fact that, like, I mean, Indian reservations, like, Indians aren't going to be Native Americans. Or... Right. They're not going to be, like, fucking up with the land. Dude. Like, they're not going to be building shit and, like, getting... They don't want, like, people, like, hanging out there. Other than them. They want to preserve... This just came natural vastness and beauty. I want you guys to ride with me on this one. Mm. Eminent domain. Okay. Yeah. What if this? It, this is the completely skeptical side of me saying this, and it seems kind of valid in my head. I want to say this out loud. What if they're not trying to get the Gorman family or the Smith family off their property? They're trying to get the Native Americans off of their land. But the government can't just go in and take it again because they have a history of doing that, and it's terrible. But if you paint this picture that they bring in all this bad juju, after so long, people are just going to drive them out themselves because it's fucking evil. That might... Wouldn't that just be just like the government? Exactly. That's pretty cool, man. That's a pretty cool theory. Why would they they be doing this, though? Maybe they want the the land land back. They want the land that the Indians are on. But like I said, you can do that to American people. You can go take their land. In theory, you could do it to Native Americans too, but it, you're going to look really bad if you do it again. It would, be, it would be media suicide. So the only way to do it would be to get them to leave on their own. And then they tied it into their own beliefs, being the skinwalker. Think about oh it. Oh, my God. That makes sense because the skinwalker, they don't even like talking about it. Help thinking about it. No, yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy. That's the craziest theory out there, but it it just sounds <laughs> that I just came up with just now. It just sounds like it could make sense. No, that does, on a that's, certain level. That's it could feasible. Make sense. Very feasible. I mean, well, I, I don't know about feasible, but it makes sense. <laughs> we've done some pretty crazy shit as a government and a country as a whole. So why wouldn't we do this? You know, why not? That's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm done. I, there we go. That one that hurt was, my brain. Uh, but yeah, that's Skinwalker 3. We're, we'll be back with part 4 yeah. next week where we will put a nice little bow on this series and call it a day. We'll be capping it off with with part 4. This was part 3. Yeah, get ready, we y'all. are starting a cult. That was, it's Grant. I'm Jake. We're your hosts, and there's Mitch right over there. He's here again. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.